As autumn leaves turn and the jack-o'-lanterns appear on porches and doorways, people turn their attention to the thrill and exhilaration of haunted house attractions. But have you ever wondered who came up with the first one? Tonight, Cat, that's me, shares the history of macabre manners and haunted houses around the world. Then, Jen shares the story of the Snarligaster, a cryptid from Maryland who is part dragon, part octopus, and snatching people left and right in colonial America. More to come after the music. And welcome to Hometown Haunts Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Cloco. Along with me, with this exploration into the unknown, are my friends Jen and Christina. They're here. If you're watching the YouTube feed, you can see all of us at the same time. You can follow us on social media at Sensi Captain of Curiosities and join our Facebook group, Hometown Haunts. And of course, we're dying to hear about your personal encounters with the paranormal and fringe history from your neck of the woods. Send it to hometownhauntedmail at gmail.com or join and share the Facebook group or share it on the Facebook group Hometown Haunts. You can also find our podcast on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify and watch our show feed on YouTube. Just find us by searching Hometown Haunts Podcast. Please take a moment to rate and review us on those platforms so other spooky lovers like yourself can find the show. So we got show announcements. They're kind of the same as last week. I have a new monster comic that's up on um, Webtoon, so you can go read Spiritus Maximus, Resurrection, Resurrected, there we go. Um, That one is updating every Friday, and October 28th, this Saturday, there's Hometown Haunts Live at the Lane Library. Cat, that is me, is calling in. It's like the big giant head from Power Rangers. (laughs) Oh, was it Zorgon? Um, Anyway, um, Zordon, showing my age here. Um, yeah, I'll be broadcasting. I, I have a surprise costume that has something to do with tonight's show, which is fun. Oh, Christina's face. That was a big, like, wow. Yes, it will be fun. I hope I can pull it off and look somewhat fun. Uh, it will be great because you two are going to be live in the actual library and I will be beamed in yes should i uh should we dress up do you want us to dress up too i mean it would be of fun of course okay. it would be fun um i'm not gonna make you do it right. well christine will be with me she's coming to visit for our traditional halloween weekend and she get any excuse to dress up she's there for it so um yes yeah she'll help me figure out a costume then do it do it okay I right. will say I have a blue wig. Awesome. awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's going to look, I'm hoping, really, it will be fun. We're okay. hoping to have fun retelling the ghost stories, the cryptid stories, and the yeah. fringe history of around Cincinnati and the tri-state area. And, uh, and Christina, you're doing live drawings as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be fun. Yeah. And because uh, the other event you did just a few weeks ago went over so well. So, yes, yeah, we had so much fun. fun. (laughs) And this time I'll get to see you draw, Christina. I couldn't see you last time. Yeah, Yeah. because I was reading, yeah, while you were drawing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, that's always hard to do. Uh, (laughs) It's a a hard balance to strike between drawing and talking. So, Uh I've not mastered it yet. Yeah, I can't can't draw and talk that easily. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it is tricky. Anyway, in 2024, on March 2nd of 2024, it will be the second annual Frogman Festival in Loveland, Ohio. So you can check out frogmanfestival.org for more information, but we will be there along with a lot of our friends. It sounds like it's going to be a very fun and popular time. I'm hoping Mothman returns along with the Fresno Nightcrawler. So, because they were excellent. How has been the rest of your week? Well, it's been it's been very busy actually, between you know deadlines and visits and you know 
all the, all the sort of things that happen. It seems like the end of the year gets more and more crowded. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. We're painting lots of pictures of cute animals and hippos and horses. Oh wow. <laughs> oh my. I've done nothing. No. We well, that's not true. Charlie Gaster. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, I did that and then all last week I uh I discovered a recipe app to put all my recipes in. Oh fun. So Ooh. I don't have to go, where is that? So it's all in one spot. And that that took me way too long to do I it. I didn't know that app. Does it take like, does it import recipes that you get from websites? Yes. Oh, but that's cool. What it doesn't do, like you can't take a picture and import it that way, mm -hmm. which I wish I could because then I can import like all my family recipes and without having to retype them. Mm -hmm. um, but the... Most of mine were website based, and you might have to do a little bit of editing, but it's it's pretty good. I'll okay. send it to you. Yes, please. No. I have too many websites open on my phone with things yeah, like that's ridiculous. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Same. I appreciate that. Sure. All right. Shall we get on to tonight's show? Yes. yes. All it right. sounds like it's going to be delightfully spooky. Yay. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if you could just hear that. That was one of the little guy's toys being run over by a dog. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, my house is not haunted. On that note, actually, a little dude last night said, I'm glad we don't live in a haunted house. And I'm like, me too. <laughs> what prompts this conversation? <laughs> and what did he say? Like, well, apparently... um, well, we've talked about this before on the podcast that he would see a shadow man in our previous house. Mm -hmm. And that apparently scared him way more than I thought it was. And uh, he was, he would wake up pretty frequently at night and now he sleeps through the night generally pretty well. He'll still wake up with uh, nightmares. But yeah, the the fact that he keeps talking about how this house is not haunted I'm oh just wow! Like, is it is it haunted? Are you seeing something that I'm not picking up on? Like, why do you keep insisting it's not haunted? But maybe it's just relief. I don't know. Is there training for parents that have, for example, the parents that are sensitive that have kids that are sensitive? Is there any sort of roadmap to make them able to handle it better, or is it just something everybody sort of deals with on their own? I don't really know. I, I always kind of thought it was something that everyone deals with, but I think it may depend on what faith-based community you're a part of. Yeah. Like, one of them I hear really commonly is to put water in a spray bottle and just say it's monster repellent. Oh. So if the kid wakes up scared that a monster is going to get them, they can just spray this spritz, and that gives them more confidence to go back to sleep. So that's more of a psychological trick and not so much a religious based one but i don't know i i think that's a good question yeah you would that have to, a good question for like camp chesterfield yeah you would yeah. i would think have to be really believing in the afterlife or spirits or ghosts or whatever to recognize that in the first place mm -hmm. and if you're if you don't and you don't think any of it's true i don't think you're going to even see that in your kid mm -hmm. and yeah. if you you do you might just ignore it right so, yeah so i don't know that's, that's, my that's a really good question with a yeah. lot of different answers yeah um, <laughs> yeah all right so on to tonight's topic macabre manners the history of haunted houses and this is kind of a jumping off point from what jen talked about a few weeks ago which was ohio has a lot a lot a lot of haunted houses and I was just wondering one day after the episode aired, I was like, I wonder who came up with the first one just because they exist now, but where did they originate from? So this is one of those I'm washing the dishes or making coffee and brain wandered off into that direction type of topic nights. So sources for tonight's episode, smithsonian.com, the history channel, national geographic, Atlas Obscura, Holocom Steam Museum. Wow, things are going to get exciting, everyone. NPR and Walt Disney World. This oh. is just the weirdest gathering of sources for tonight's show. 
<laughs> well, can we can board. we should we guess like like um I haven't read the notes show notes too closely like is, are, are are haunted houses older than you would imagine or are they newer than we would think? I don't like, know. When do you think? Yes, before we get into the show, when do you think haunted houses started as an attraction? It feels like maybe the 1800s because that was like when the spiritualism movement happened and it seems like that would have been like you had P.T. Barnum anyway and all the sort of Mm -hmm. attraction kind of stuff happening. That's my guess. So you're going to say like late 1800s? Yes, yes. 1901. Hmm? 1901. (laughs) 1901. Okay. So. All right. We'll get into this. So, like I said, jumping off of... We'll see who's closer. <laughs> yeah, we'll see who's closest. <laughs> Everyone, write your guess in the comments. <laughs> I want to see who is the closest and who knows. Yes. Um, this, this is fun. So, jumping, like I was saying, jumping off of Jen's topic, we're going into the history of haunted houses. And nowadays, visitors of haunted houses expect to be chased by killer clowns, walk through nightmarish funhouse tunnels, and get lost within the haunted hallways. The origins of haunted houses are far more ghoulish. So, it started in 1802. Oh, yeah, a lot young, a lot a lot younger, a lot earlier than a lot of people expected, but oh. we would recognize the lady who started it all, Madame Marie Trousseau. So, have Oh. Yeah, have you heard of Madame Trousseau's in London? They're now everywhere. Some yes. people will know it as Madame Trussades. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've heard that one. I so, had to convince my mom to go there when we went to London, like in 1991. Oh, yeah. I went Did there. it creep her out? or? Well, you know, it feels like like one of those kind of kitschy attractions. But oh. she found it very interesting after we went. I yeah. found it fascinating. And I'll get into it a little bit later. But I went there in 97. So it was it was fun. Anyway, so Madame Trousseau and the Little Wax Museum, which she introduced to Londoners to a new form of gruesome entertainment. Trousseau was famous for making the death masks of decapitated French figures such as King Louis XIV, Marie Antoinette, Jean-Paul Morin, and Maximilien Robespierre. Her exhibition of the guillotine's victims, wow, where did that come from? Guillotine's victims, death masks, were called the Chamber of Horrors, and one you could visit today at the current Madame Trousseau's Wax Museum in London. Visiting the Chamber of Horrors is when I, as a 14-year-old, got my awakening to the love of horror and occult. So, <laughs> um, so Christina, you've been to the Chamber of Horrors, I assume, going through Madame Trousseau's. Yes. Um, I remember seeing Sleeping Beauty, which was at the time the oldest wax figure they had on display. But I remember walking into the Chamber of Horrors and having my face buried into my mom's coat because it was very scary. And then I looked up and I saw this is going to get slightly graphic. So skip 30 seconds if you don't like this. I saw the death max re not reincarnation, but they remade them, the original ones. And it's all the different heads on spikes. And uh, uh, looking at that and going, whoa, that's cool. <laughs> and then just being really interested in seeing like the rats eating people, the, all these different um, poses that they had different uh, uh, people from history and like Joan of Arc burning at the stake. So I'm guessing these were all carved, right? They're wax. Well, yeah, yes, but did she like take molds of the actual heads? Yes. Yes. So, wow. Okay. okay. This first, is a warning for first. people again. This is number two. What she would do, <laughs> skip ahead a minute to skip any of this. Uh, we're going to talk about cadavers for a moment. So um, basically what she would do is she took the decapitated head. She would put it on the ground or on in a container and make sure it didn't roll around a lot. Uh-huh. And then she would mold wax to their face, let it cool and dry, and then remove the mask and then be able to put different um, actual wax, a harder wax on top. Mm-hmm. It's like making a silicone mold and then making right. something from that. 
Um, so that's basically in general how she did it. And okay. it became very popular. The original Madame Tussauds actually was a touring exhibit and she only started in 1802 and then she landed in London and stayed there in 1838 until her own death. So, and there's a death mask of her that was made. She taught countless people how to make death masks. Now wax museums became very popular uh, because of that. And it was a good way of seeing how people accurately looked if they couldn't be around or travel very much. So it was very interesting. So, mm-hmm. after the Chamber of Horrors, the next step to haunted house attractions was Paris's Grand Guignol Theater, which became famous for its onstage depictions of graphic dismemberment and the turn at the turn of the 20th century. I had no idea about this theater when looking up the, the history here. So, Max Moray, the stage manager of the theater from 1898 to 1914, boasted that he judged each performance by the amount of people who passed out. So it was a really good performance if more people passed out from shock of watching these plays, which I'm just kind of amused by a lot. So a typical setup for the theater was patrons would see five to six short plays all in succession. And what the theater would do was um, basically break up the really spooky or not spooky, but the thrilling ones with comedies. And this was alternating. This lineup was known as the hot and cold showers. So of course the most popular ones were the horror plays because people apparently loved watching mock dismemberment on stage. The plays were bleak and had gory special effects, much like today's body horror genre. Um, So supernatural subjects were never involved in these types of plays. Instead, subjects of the play explored alternative states of mind like mania, panic, and insanity. So the entire idea of the theater was this particular theater was a naturalist theater. This doesn't mean that they were all nude. This meant that they wanted to take um, theater in a way that depicted humanity in its natural state. So there was never anything supernatural happening. It wasn't like Shakespeare's theater where you'd have Greek gods coming out of everyone's left and right. Um, It was just, I'm going to say, more mundane, more quiet comedies and also kind of quiet horror. But you're talking about things like mania. And then, of course, then there's dismemberment, which is never quiet. So maybe that's why those were so popular. In 1915, this is where our steam museum comes in. The first commercial horror attraction was opened at an English fairground in Liphook. It was called the Orton and Spooner Ghost House, and it was powered by steam, which I was just like, what? What? Orton Spooner were fairground ride manufacturers, and their ghost house, as they called it, can still be visited at the Hollycomb Steam Museum in Liphook. You can actually go through it. Um, I want they to. Have... Sorry? I want to. I'm yeah, I want to too. Yeah. It is tiny. When you look at it, you're just like, wow, that is like half the size of a car but or a van. But it it freaked people out. Uh, the ghost house had uneven floors, vibrating walls, and puffs of random air that would startle and scare guests. And it was all powered by steam. So I'm like, that's pretty cool. So, yeah, you can go. It's in Lip Hook, Hampshire, England. So, please go visit. I have a question. Hmm? And I don't know if this will be covered, and maybe this it will lead in, but where did the idea of ghosts, like, looking like a sheet is over them come from? Like, so, sort of the Casper sort of model. I actually looked that up. This is the second iteration of my manuscript for tonight's show. This one's much more lively and somewhat comical. The first one was a actual literal where do haunted houses come from? Like who said the first haunted house? And one to partially answer that would be going back to Roman times with the philosopher of Pliny the Younger, which he lived, I think, around 681 to 110 B.C., and according to one of his personal friends who had a paranormal experience in Athens, 
So this would be Greek, not Roman. Um, so, <laughs> um, at any rate, um, basically the entity that appeared before the philosopher was an elderly man. He was dressed in kind of like a gray sheet and was covered in chains and had a long white beard. And the entity showed the philosopher where he was buried in the courtyard. And then he got, um, the philosopher got permission from the city magistrate to excavate the courtyard of his house. There he found basically a, a skeleton bound in chains. So as soon as that happened, the ghost stopped showing up. So we have an approximate date of 81 to 110 BC when ghosts actually were depicted. So I think that that story greatly, this is speculation on my part, influenced Charles Dickens writing about the ghosts of Marley at the very beginning of A Christmas Carol. And that's where we went off from there on modern depictions of ghosts. But that's all speculation on my part. Does that answer the question? Yeah, it was just interesting because, like, it seems there's a very strong cartoon trope of them. Yeah. And uh, you look at a lot of British haunted houses and, uh, and Irish haunted houses, you get a lot of chains rattling ghosts. So a lot of that very classic Greek callback of the, the ghost that Pliny the Younger told about in a letter um so yeah it's it's interesting how that all works I, I have not really run into too many american hauntings where chains are involved unless it's really really old new england so uh, it's an interesting motif that we see carried through and then kind of disappear mm -hmm. and uh, yeah and uh yeah that's just just observation on my part from reading a whole bunch of ghost stories so all right. For where were we? So ghost house, you can still go visit it. It's in England. So for the next few decades, haunted houses were attractions at local amusement parks that changed. So like a lot of like smaller amusement parks with roller coasters and roller skating. And then they would have a small ghost house, like the one that, um, that is at the steam museum where it's small and you go in or you may, like a roller coaster in a car you'll go through and they'll have people and things popping out, spooking you and going, ah, like, oh no, a goblin popped out of that obvious half wall. Ah, so stuff like that. So that's what it kind of was for a few decades until the Great Depression, when visiting amusement parks became financially infeasible for a lot of families. Stress was everywhere during the Great Depression. Teenage pranksters took their Halloween and Devil's Night antics to new destructive heights and to the point that it was becoming so bad that some towns were considering canceling Halloween or did cancel Halloween altogether in the United States. Teens weren't just getting into harmless pranks like they had done in years prior. For example, the Halloween of 1933, there were teens reported to be flipping cars over, sawing telephone poles down, and resorting to acts of high vandalism that were so bad that media depicted this Halloween as the black Halloween due to the amount of destruction. So people were stressed. Teens were taking it out on any inanimate objects. Instead of banning Halloween, though, a lot of places thought, and they agree with me, it's a fun holiday. So why would we want to ban it? So the following year, in 1934, we saw a rise of civic and religious groups, community organizations, and neighborhoods organizing haunted houses or haunted trails, costume parades, trick-or-treating, and carnivals in attempts to get bored teenagers from wreaking havoc. Pamphlets were made and distributed in newspapers and magazines, giving parents and organizers idea for homemade haunted houses and trails which were made in basements, garages, or outside in forests. Suggested props for homemade haunted houses were hanging old fur strips and raw liver to the walls or of dark hallways, making weird bones and howls from dark corners of your garage, dangling damp sponges and hairnets from the ceiling so they can touch the guests' faces, 
or blocking doorways so guests had to crawl through dark tunnels. So I what was the liver for? Sorry? What was, what was the liver for? Was it just to feel like soggy organs or something? I think that's what it was. To, it, it's soggy, it's cold, it smells. It's like putting it, your hand it, in the bowl of pasta. Exactly. Yeah. Or the peeled grapes. Or the peeled the grapes, bowl. yeah. It's the exact same thing. And in fact, when I was a kid, my parents put together a haunted house, much like this one described. Oh, fun. With squirrel tails instead of fur strips Ew. dangling from the ceiling. Because my dad was a fly fisherman and would get squirrel tails for flies. But. Ew. Yes. <laughs> well, it, you wonder how I can sit there and stomach like. I don't know, stuffed, not stuffed animals as in toys, but like taxidermy, stuffed, taxidermy and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's because my dad, this is a gross story. Um, when we would go fishing, if he saw roadkill at the side of the road, he would stop the car and see if he could scavenge any part of the hair or pieces of it for flies for fly fishing. So a lot of times he would get out and remove the tail of the of a squirrel that had been hit because oftentimes those are just perfectly fine. So he would just lop off the tail, put it in a Ziploc bag, and then treat it so that mites and stuff weren't alive anymore on the tail or ticks and and fleas. And um, yeah, then he would use the hair. Wow. Yeah. So. Yeah, I DIY. guess you can't just go to the store and buy it. Well, now you can, but okay. <laughs> back in the late 80s and early 90s, yeah. like, and we also grew up in a rural area, so yeah. that, that just wasn't going to be happening. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that's... Dedication to your craft. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why he, when I started taking shrews, like, that had deceased out of our window wells... And I would have like remove the flesh and just kind of have their bones out for display. He was mm -hmm. just like, yeah, you're my daughter. <laughs> I know so many artists that collect skulls. Yeah. Yeah. I like the oh, fake right. ones. Yeah. Getting back to haunted houses. House to house parties were also really popular where neighborhoods would pool resources to create a fun Halloween for kids and teens. For example, the first house that guests would go to would give out costumes the next house may have treats and the third house may have a tiny haunted house somewhere on their property. So I included some of the examples. One of them is we dared you to see the blood curdling haunted house. Ghosts gone goofy. Make up a spooky party. If you come alone, you'll be afraid to walk home. I'm just reading the, this pamphlet. Uh, spooky ghost shivers, shudders and thrills. And yeah, the, there's also, and I'm going to be very honest, when you look back at 1930s Halloween, everyone is slightly racist. So just be prepared if you Google this, that you're just going to see some racist costumes that would not hold water today. And some of the things that are said on this uh, pertaining to voodoo and zombies is also not so great. So just want to caveat that not everyone was stellar back then so but i did include some photos of a family in missouri in 1939 somebody is dressed as baba yaga basically um and, and uh, also the paper masks that kids drew and then put on their head as paper bags um that's if you couldn't get fabric for costumes that's what you did back then and i know looking at the um when we visited the Billy Ireland Cartooning Museum, they actually have on display a paper mask that were printed in newspapers that people could cut out and then put together on their own. The most popular one is, I think, a bear or a tiger. And uh, so that's what newspapers did is they basically printed out what I was just reading. That pamphlet was from a newspaper. It's all clip art. All of that is clip art from the 1930s. And uh, basically you would, if you look up other examples, it will say like, write your address here and the time here and stuff like that. So I like how newspapers were trying to help people still have fun in their local neighborhoods and encourage people to still just have the spirit of Halloween. 
So there's a lot of DIY and homemade stuff in the 1930s. That kind of spread into the 1940s as well with uh, World War II. People were still DIYing a lot. So the next jump in haunted houses really doesn't come until after World War II. So all these small, these were all small nonprofit events held in residential neighborhoods. And as I said, after the Great Depression and World War II, larger, more elaborate haunted houses were made, but they were used for fundraisers and limited commercial attractions. So basically, like a school would have a haunted house attraction to raise money for books or whatever they needed. That's how they were used. That all changed in the 1960s. And do you know why it changed in the 1960s? No, no guesses. No, it's Disney. Tell. Disney. Sorry. Disney. Disney. Of so course. in 1969, the haunted house would one haunted house would make a seismic upgrade with the opening of Disney's haunted mansion in Disneyland. So Walt Disney had been eager to put a haunted house attraction in Disneyland since the park was being planned in the 1950s. It was supposed to be an opening day attraction. That did not happen. It went through numerous production redesigns and production delays. Originally, the Haunted Mansion was planned as a dark walkthrough attraction located on Main Street. Imaginer Har Harper Goff and Ken Anderson worked on the Haunted Mansion initially, then re redesigned it to sit in New Orleans Square. Originally, the outside facade was to be an old dilapidated looking uh, house, but Walt refused to have any building in the park look worn out. So even if it was on purpose. So it was redesigned to the French Quarter Mansion that you see today. And a lot of inspiration was taken from the Winchester Mystery House in San Jose, California. And I've included in our outline a lot of the original concept art done by the Imagineers for the Haunted Mansion. It's fun seeing how it basically developed over 20 years of work. And I like the Candleman. That, that's awesome. And I also included a photo of what the Haunted Mansion looked like back when it originally opened and when people were notified about it in 1963. In the early 1960s, a new Imagineering team was tasked with working on the Haunted Mansion. This saw the addition of Rolly Crump, who did the Candleman that you like so much, and Yale Gra Gracie, who, with contributing art... Wow. Ah, I'm so excited to talk about the Haunted Mansion, I am stumbling over my words. <laughs> so, yeah, so we had Rolly Crump and Yale Gracie, Gracie and with contributing artwork and music from Mark Davis, X and TCO and Claude Coates. Rolly Crump came up with much of the creepy or museum of the weird concept imagery, such as the coffin clocks, the candleman, talking chairs, man-eating plants, and tiki-like busts, and a mirror with a face, which have been incorporated into the haunted mansion slowly over the decades since it opened. Mark Davis and Claude Coates disagreed on whether to make the Haunted Mansion frightening or enjoyable. Coates wanted frightening, which with much of the interior parts of the Haunted Mansion are, while Davis wanted enjoyable, which most of the outside portions of the ride are, including the swinging wake scene in the graveyard. Imagineers redesigned the in internal staging what is that squeaking sound? The internal staging of the Haunted Mansion, again, changing it from the walkthrough attraction to one that we know of today with the Doom Buggies, aka the Omnimover. The Doom Buggies can move in any direction, allowing the Imagineers to utilize the surrounding space in the mansion better and to better guide the guests to experience specific features, such as the Pepper's Ghost phenomenon in the famous ballroom dancing scene. The success of the Haunted Mansion led to other haunted attractions popping up all over the world and have evolved since then. With the slasher movie boom of the late 70s through the 80s, Haunted Mansions left the world of the paranormal and incorporated gore as well. In the United States, there are over 2,700 2, haunted attractions, with Ohio being at the top. And with that, that is the history of haunted houses. 
That's so cool. And I'm the one that's squeaking. <laughs> so, so what's the scariest haunted house you've ever visited? <sighs> hmm. Well, there was one in Niles, Michigan that I went to. Um, that one was pretty scary. That was the one when we talked about the haunted mansions before. Um, or the haunted houses before. Sorry, still hung up on the haunted mansion. Um, <laughs> that was the one that had the um, lawnmower without a propeller. Oh, without the blade at the bottom, and that one launched over the crowd, so it looked like it was about to hit you and decapitate you. And uh, yeah, that was that one was. It leaned a lot on the body horror and gore angle. And not so much on the atmospheric bit of looking spooky and feeling spooky and none of that. It was just, hey, look, there's horror things. Yeah. Um, but as I said before, I really love how haunted house attractions get put together, which is why I nerd out over the haunted mansion and its history. <coughs> oh, sorry. Um, the one that I think is the most interesting haunted house attraction though i've never been to it but i've seen a lot of video and commentary about how it gets put together is actually universal studios haunted halloween in florida so mm. that one they have multiple different haunted houses with different themes to fit the different tastes of people who like horror so if you like paranormal and more spooky gothic sinister horror there's a house for you there uh, if you like body horror, there's a house for you there. If you like more sci-fi horror, there's a house for you. Like it, it just. You're talking know. about horror nights, Halloween horror nights. Yes, it's Halloween horror nights. Thank mm -hmm. you. I've, I've been, a... I've been to two. Ooh, did you wow. like them? I did. Um, the first one I went to was a very long time ago. It was like their thirteenth oh. time doing it. What so a lucky number. it was in, it was much smaller mm -hmm. and I went in 2020. Yes. 21, 21, 2021. And, um, there were so many people that mm -hmm. it's not scary. You're just basically looking at the scenery because there's no space in between your group ahead of you and behind you. And, mm -hmm it's a lot of walking because it's, yeah. it's bigger. Now they have more houses. They actually use their studios mm -hmm. for the, uh, the houses They're Sometimes they're not, they're not in the park. You're, you're like going behind mm -hmm. on the attractions and stuff. So mm -hmm. they're cool though. <laughs> I mean, the, um, the, uh, what is the, the set? I can't think of the word. It's it's amazing what they do. I mean, yeah. they make movies. So you're basically walking into a movie. Like the Beetlejuice house I went to a few years ago was great. Um, yeah. And I know one year they had The Walking Dead. Um, I'm trying to think of what they did when I went there the first time. It's been a long time ago, but I, I love it. Yeah, they have like a yeah. demented circus motifs. Mm -hmm. They had a really creepy clown. <laughs> He would walk around and stare at you in the line. Demonic surgeries. Yeah. All sorts of stuff. It's kind of like <clears throat> an amped up version of Halloween Haunt here at Kings Island. Mm -hmm. It's just way done better because it's Universal Studios and they have the money to do it. Right. And they're not necessarily trying to cater to children. Either. Right. No. Yeah. They're not. Yeah. But So, Christina... Yes. Scariest haunted house. You know, I, I've been to the dent one and it wasn't a scary experience. We went with a really good friend, our, our friend George, and he had worked for the volunteer fire department in Westwood over, you know, on the side of town. And mm -hmm. so we were going, walking through the house and everybody was you know, doing all this stuff to scare you. And all of a sudden we heard, Ooh, George. <laughs> and somebody ran 
ran up and hugged him. And Aww. I kind of took us out of the experience because it was yeah. sort of like all of a sudden all these people were surrounding him that knew him and were really excited <laughs> to see him. <laughs> and so now I think that one's become a lot more haunted since then. Yeah, I was never yeah. a huge fan of haunted houses or, or horror films, actually. I, I didn't like stuff that was super scary. Right. Um, but I, the I one time know. we did go to Dent, it was it wasn't that scary because of right. that. <laughs> Do you want you want to know mine? Yes, I, I'm sure Jen has a really good um, one. Yeah. Production value is what I was trying to think of earlier. Like Dent has a high pr production value, obviously Universal's. But um, uh, years ago, I a friend of mine asked me to review haunted houses for the paper, so I went to you know the main ones all within the city and. Do you remember uh, St. Rita School for the Deaf? They used to have their, their um, it was like a hundred year old house on their property. And unfortunately it's closed. And the, I went to the last year it was open and man, they, they were on point like this one actor. I don't know if he was playing uh, Freddy Krueger, but he got right up in my ear and just, you know, kind of, you know, real quietly. And normally the actors are screaming at you to scare you. They're not getting right up. You know, it's just like, dude, get away from me. <laughs> you know, so that gave me like the goosebumps and stuff. But it it was such a cool old house. Mm -hmm. Like there was one room, it was a dining room that kind of reminded me of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre dining room. Oh. So I don't think it was set up that way, but it just it had that creepy, mm -hmm. you know, feel to it. Um, another one, I talked about this when we talked about haunted houses, but I didn't name it. It was called May Mayhem Mansion. That was the one that was, it's in Kentucky, Northern Kentucky. It's run by the police department. Ooh. <laughs> so they know what they can do. They actually touch you there. I've ha had them play with my hair. Mm. There was this one room and it's in an old house. So it looks like you're walking into someone's abandoned house, but in one room, the actor was up on something like in the corner of the ceiling and he would walk around on, on top and then he'd dip down and poke you or tug at your I hair. Yeah. yeah. And you know, you didn't know where he was and then they would misdirect you going here, but then you were stuck. You couldn't get out. And then they kind of torture you there. And then you go on to the next room and you try to touch the wall and you're getting shot, nope. you know? So, I mean, not hard. But, yeah, um, not hard. You just slightly no, no. way. It's like shocking. I don't know. It, it it was a lot of fun. Um, and of course, there's a guy at the front right before you go in. He's amping it up and scaring the crap out of you before you even get in there. And like you, I don't know if they still do this, but you would go in through a window, not a door. Oh, so you had to be careful. And my my dumb ass tripped. <laughs> But um, that one was fun. Well, that one sounds fun. Yeah, Den's pretty awesome. It's you just gotta go for the production value. Yeah, yeah. It, Although it, 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 one, one more, one more. Dent Schoolhouse. This was a few years ago. They and they normally have a maze after the house that you go through, mm -hmm. and this was all chain link, a chain link fence, and they have actors in there. Okay, and um. This one guy, oh my God, he was tall, real big guy, cornered me, right? Would not let me go past him. And my brother tried pulling me away from him. He couldn't do it. And then behind me, on the other side of the chain link fence, was another actor growling in my ear, pulling at my hand. <laughs> and they, they kept me there for a good five minutes. Oh, and, man. Um, yeah. But I, it was fun. But if you don't act scared, they're not going to bother you, really, because mm -hmm. they want that oh, yeah. reaction from you. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Yeah. And if you start swinging, of course, they're not going to do anything. Yeah. But yeah, those those are my favorites. What about You're... those haunted? Oh, sorry. No, I was going to share a story, but there was two thoughts. One, for our listeners, if you have a haunted house attraction story please share it with us we keep sharing all of ours we love to hear yours yeah. and uh, i have a tokyo haunted house experience oh and uh it's more comical than it is scary 
Um, sorry, Jen. <laughs> but so, um, wait, actually I have two, but I'm, I'm going to do this one. So there used to be a mall called Venus Fort in Odaiba, which is in the Bay in Tokyo. And this, and, uh, there used to be a Sega arcade and it used to be one of the largest arcades in the world. And within the arcade, there was a haunted house attraction. And when I was there, um, this was the most confusing haunted house attraction I ever went on because it was the year 2000 and my Japanese linguistic skills were not very high or keen yet. I'd only been taking the language for about a year at the time. And I went there with a bunch of other students from our tour, not a tour group, but we were there just visiting Japan with a friend and his mom. And then it was just a little group of friends, basically, of clueless Americans that barely spoke Japanese going through. And we're hanging out with some of um, my friends, childhood friends who were Japanese. So we had escorts basically going like, go here, go here, you know, whatever. So we're all hanging out and we go into the haunted house. And at the time, Morning Musume was a very popular band. If you have never encountered Morning Musume, they are a gigantic female band where basically, I forget how many uh, ladies, girls, I don't know how old they were at the time, young, <laughs> young women um, participated. But basically, you they were voted in who got to sing on each single. So they, there were so many. The, they're, the people or the group that kind of came after them was AKB48, if you're familiar with that at all, where there's 48 young women who get voted on and only like 13 make it onto this each single and they all dance and stuff like that. But this haunted house was this standard Venus Fort Sega haunted house, but you were going through it with members from Morning Musume. And I had no idea what was going on. So we'd be walking and then the rest of our group would be screaming because something was said on the audio that we were supposed to have on our headsets. And then somebody would pop out of a wall and it was just random things happening. And I was so confused. And I'm like, there is a person popping out of the wall. Why? And then they say something to you. And I'm just like, <laughs> so it was just the weird and then then they sat us all down kind of like in a texas chainsaw massacre type dinner this is what reminded me of this story mm -hmm. um and we still had audio headsets on because it was an audio haunted house thing it was in, an interesting experience nonetheless so i'm sitting around the table there is fake food and everything on the table and the way that the props were done was that things would shake uh silverware would shake without you touching it blood would come out from the table like all sorts of like movie-esque props were happening and you're listening to this audio track in fluent japanese where i can't understand it and my friends are screaming and they're all freaking out and the table's shaking and i'm just like i really wish i understood what was happening kind <laughs> of like how i am right now just quietly taking in everything going well that's an interesting effect and that's an interesting effect and then suddenly morning musume is screaming in my ear and everyone stands up and runs out and i'm just like what oh. <laughs> <laughs> i stand up and slowly walk out of the room the actors were so irritated with me because Aww. i wasn't reacting at all to anything yeah. i was yeah. just confused the entire time yeah. so uh, that is my other Memorable haunted house attraction story. It went a completely opposite direction from scary. <laughs> really so wish you hadn't moved. There's some haunted houses around here I still would like to go to and I haven't been to. Yeah. yeah. So what started the trend of these new things where it's like a experience where they can kidnap you and I mean because they got sick of how bland the because they're predictable, right? You mm -hmm. you want especially mm -hmm. like the ones that Halloween haunt or horror nights, you know where you're going. You can kind of expect where the jumps are going to come out. You here's the entrance. There's a big exit sign, you know, because of safety. Um, like what that what I liked about Mayhem Mansion is when you walked in the room, you didn't necessarily know how to get out. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they directed you if you got confused or yeah. if you started really freaking out, they would get you out. But I think that's why that one worked. You couldn't predict necessarily what was going to happen. Um, and I think people want to be more scared than that. Some people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not not me. I don't want to be literally scared. I like being yeah. scared just for the adrenaline rush. Not. Yeah. I don't want to feel like a, I'm actually going to die. <laughs> yeah. Just on one last note on that going to publishing because Corpsar Press does horror, but we do occult and horror for young adults and children. And oh my goodness, choosing what level of horror to write for is difficult now because so many people are experience wanting or expecting super scary stuff like slasher horror movie stuff. And I'm like, I write for kids. I cannot be putting things like this in here. And then parents are like, but why not? And I'm like, <laughs> no, I am not responsible for traumatizing your child. So I will be. like, sorry, I would be. Well, yes, you would, you would <laughs> gladly do that. Yes, um, or I could be your adult person for adult horror. There yeah, we go. Just we, an we'll idea. <laughs> but yeah, there is a, that idea. Um, but yeah, so it, it's hard to gauge even what's going to scare anyone nowadays was really what my point was. And people seem yeah. to kind of just want to keep getting closer and closer to snuff films. And that is somewhat concerning yeah. to me. That's a but, little, I yeah, think that's, that, that's the desensitization <laughs> of violence. Cause we're so used to seeing it. I mean, scary doesn't necessarily have to mean violence or death no. or blood and gore. No. So it is like what got me started. And I know I've talked about this before. I was about 13 years old and started reading Christopher Pike Actually, no, I started reading Dean Koontz first, but then I got into Christopher Pike and all our scary stories to tell in the dark. Man, I love those. And for that, it was the suspense, mm-hmm. you know, and then the release at the end of the story, once you know what you knew what was going on, mm-hmm. but it was what was going on in your mind in the build up to the end of the story. And they were like mm-hmm. two, three pages long. Mm-hmm. But then you get, got into RL Stein and then Goosebumps. That was more, I'm going to say maybe your generation, Cat. Definitely my brother's generation. Yes. Um, I loved Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yes. Yes. That I was, was an Are You Afraid of the Dark girl. Yeah. So I think that right there, that those kind of stories are great for a mm-hmm. young adult audience. Yeah. Um, Unless you're someone like my nephew, who's eight years old and does not want to do anything scary. He was mm-hmm. scared by the Dementors in Harry Potter, which I don't oh, blame him. Scary. But they, um, he did make it to Halloween Haunt a couple times. But, you know, he had his little boo necklace on. And Aww. so people wouldn't jump out and scare him. But he, he's kind of getting there. But it, yeah, it, it is hard. Mm-hmm. I cannot, I try. Like, if I'm running a scary story, I... I don't know how, how not to be adult about it. Yeah. 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 Well, of, oh, sorry, okay. Christina. Go no, ahead. I said it's a tough call because kids are all different levels and some kids love stuff that's scary and some are very terrified by it and traumatized mm-hmm. by it. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I would think parents would want to use caution, but, you know, some kids just, I mean, and it depends on, you know, how the kids raise with parents. Like sometimes when right. parents love horror, like they'll make their kids love it. Not make, you can't make a kid do anything, but you know, <laughs> their kids sometimes like that's something that they enjoy together is horror films. And yeah. yeah. And that's fine. If that's yeah. what your family loves to do, then you do that horror film stuff. Yeah. yeah. Like I is starting to like um, monsters and stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's just, and well, I monsters think are cool. Yeah, monsters oh, yeah. are cool, but yeah. I think that's just because I talk about it and stuff like that. But speaking oh. of monsters and scaring the crap out of small children, okay. Jen. From the 1730s to the 1930s, a one-eyed dragon bird with razor-sharp teeth, a metallic beak, and tentacles coming from its mouth terrorized the Frederick County, Maryland communities it preyed on animals and children and in one instance drained a man of his blood and threw him over a cliff 
It was even said that after his presidency, Teddy Roosevelt had plans to hunt the beast down, and the Smithsonian Institution offered a reward for the Snallygaster's hide. The, the Snallygaster, one of Maryland's oldest legends, began in the 1730s with reports of a beast prowling Frederick County woods. Snallygaster comes from the term Schnellergeist, or quick ghost or spirit. In 1909, newspaper accounts from February to March reported various encounters of a beast with an eye in the center of its forehead, enormous wings, claws like steel hooks, and a long pointed bill. According to Wikipedia, these reported reports turned out to be a hoax by a newspaper reporter, Ralph S. Wolf, and editor George C. Roderick, both from the Middletown Valley Register, in an effort to gain more readers. They took existing themes from German folklore, including creatures like dragons who like to capture livestock and children. They also borrowed from depictions of the Jersey Devil, which recently had been spotted at that time. Also during this time, the Middleton Valley Register also published a letter by Castown, Ohio resident Thomas Chalmers Harbaugh uh, on February 12, 1909. Harbaugh claimed he witnessed a gigantic monster headed toward Maryland. Terrified residents began overwhelming newspapers in the area with sightings of the monster, with one report saying that it laid an egg near Burkittsville, Maryland. And if that sounds familiar, it's because it's from the Blair Witch Project. That's where she was. Turns out Harbaugh was an author and native of, middle, of the Middletown area, and some say his report of the beast was a veiled attempt at scaring away ne'er-do-wells, from the region, or perhaps just writing a good, intriguing story. Uh, the Hargerstown Morning Herald reported in December 1932 that the Snallygaster had died at a moonshine still in Frog Hollow in Washington County. The cre creature drowned in the alcoholic vat after it was overwhelmed by noxious fumes. But just in case, if you want protection from the Snallygaster, a seven-pointed star painted on a barn will do the trick, or maybe your front door. And some modern-day references to the Snallygaster. <laughs> Blair Witch, Volume 2, The Legend of Coffin Rock. It's mentioned, or is in that movie. In 2018, uh, the Bethesda game Fallout 76. I assume that's a game. I don't know. I am not a gamer. Yes, it's a video game, Fallout okay. 76. Uh, a blended whiskey product by Dragon Distillery of Frederick, Maryland, was released in 2018. South Mountain Creamery. I forgot to put where it was, but I believe it's in Frederick. It's in the area. Has a half pint ice cream flavor called the Snallygaster. It's a peanut butter ice cream with caramel swirl, pretzels, and peanut butter cups. Yes. Sounds delicious. That sounds really good. Um, there is a Snallygaster Beer Festival in D.C. This year, uh, it was on October 14th, but uh, their website has the event planned for 2024. And there's a book called Snallygaster, The Lost Legend of Frederick County by Patrick Boynton, published in 2008. Uh, and Chris, um, cryptozoologist Sarah Cooper opened the American Snallygaster Museum in Liberty Town, Maryland in 2021. Nope. And I forgot also to read my sources. So here they are real quick. Snallygaster Museum that I just mentioned, Wikipedia, Snallygaster Beer Festival, Preservation, Maryland, and South Mountain Creamery. Oh, wow. And that's the creepy Snallygaster. He um, kind of did remind me of Mothman and Jersey Devil. He seems pretty popular up there. Yes. Yeah. That is pretty cool. Yeah. Just because oh, wow. of the name. I mean, yeah. the name, you can't put that name. Yeah. Yeah, it's, the Snarlygaster is probably one of my favorite cryptids. One, because it has an awesome sounding name. Mm -hmm. And two, because it has tentacles that come out of its beak I to know. snatch up small children and livestock. Yeah. Well, and, and just... some reports said he had teeth in the tentacles, too. Can you imagine? Awesome. Teeth. Imagine how hard that is to brush. Like a lamprey. <laughs> huh? Like a what? Lamprey. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know I don't know what, what that is. It's, oh. it's a type of fish that's got like a round mouth that's like look, almost like a suction. Oh. It's like a leech. Like, yeah, oh. it is. It's like a big leech. Okay. Yeah, so instead of suction, it would be sharp little teeth going under the end to grab you. 
Mm-hmm. Yep, like a yeah. shark almost. But with yeah. they, they attach to fish or people. Yeah. I mean, or you know, they're not people terribly. Sometimes they go for people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's but, kind of like a vampire too, because it likes to drink your blood. Apparently. Yeah. 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 If it's, I got introduced to the Snarlygaster over a decade ago from Darkness Radio. Nice. And some of our listeners may know and remember Darkness Radio. Dave Schrader used to host it. He still is a radio host, but he had the funniest interpretation of the Snarlygaster ever. I am not even going to try to attempt to recreate it, but it gave him a lot of personality. You know, it did a lot of the some of the stories said that it would quietly snatch up the children in the livestock. I don't know how a creature like that doesn't make any noise. I think it would be like a boom, boom, but then a yeah, something. Yes, some saliva or something dripping. Now who knows? <laughs> I'm not going to make a saliva noise because that's pretty gross. I'm picturing yeah, alien right now. Yeah. Well, hello, Clover. For aliens. Hi, Kitty. Yeah, I know. All right. Speaking of aliens. Hi, Kit Kat. And now we have a hometown haunt. Yeah. All right. And, um, you know, this is another kind of sighting one. Kind of not that different from the one we had last week. And this is from Alan. And he says, I was doing art design in Frankfort, Kentucky. And since I had to do a brochure for the city, I took a walking tour with four to five others. That's pretty thorough. The guide showed us outside of an old brick building and talked about the Gray Ghost. It used to be a hotel and presidents in the 1890s, etc. stayed there. But a lady died in one of the upstairs room once and people see her wandering around sometimes. The tour group started walking away and I was behind them when something moved near the house. I looked over and caught my breath as I saw 30 feet away a gray lady dressed like olden times walk past a gate. She did not see me. The tour guide stopped and said what it it is. I explained what I saw and he acted like it happens all the time because of course it does. I thought that they had set it up to trick us. If they would, it would have been wasted on us if I had not lagged behind and looked over to the right for just a few seconds. So the rest of the tour had gone away, and that's when he saw it, which seems to be very typical of this type of haunting. Um, We should have asked what the building was, because maybe you've heard of it, Kat. I have not heard of the great lady. I will look into that. But that's a really interesting story. So thank you for writing in. Mm -hmm. Is it Alan? Thank you. Alan. Yeah, that that is uh sorry. No, you go ahead, Jen. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Sorry. I really had no thought. Please continue. (laughs) I'm gonna say, well, uh, if it was meant for everybody, then everybody would have seen it or not just him. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. 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 And uh like I like to say, the paranormal is super mundane. It it Mm -hmm. comes in and creeps in in small ways in ways you wouldn't expect and a lot of people kind of just pass over it like they yeah like people who think re there's reenactors on gettysburg but they're really ghosts because they have no legs or things like that (laughs) um so that really reminds me of this and 30 feet is not too far away you can pretty much tell that's that's an apparition yeah so that's Mm -hmm. interesting i'm looking for this story now i'm curious we had a question at the last event and this young girl asked the difference between a good and a bad ghost. And I really didn't have a great answer for that. And I basically just said that they're not like they are in the movies and you may not necessarily know that's what you're seeing or experiencing. Um, but what you just said answered it perfectly. So if you're watching, or if you're listening, young one, there's your answer. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Good ghosts are super mundane and are just yeah. bopping around the afterlife. Yeah. Watching all of us. Maybe Generally, they're trying to help. You. Yeah. There's ghosts that I like to help, like Suzanne up at Writer's Inn. Mm-hmm. And then bad ghosts like to scare people and intimidate them. Mm-hmm. So the crushing feeling of being watched. That's a bad ghost. Or just moving things and, and scaring you, just like purposely scaring you, basically. Yeah. That's our whispering terrible things in your ear or making terrible comments on recordings that that's harassing you yeah. those are not good ghosts throwing a mug at your face 
but yeah, throwing a mug at your Pass face. Sometimes, sometimes it is ghosts trying to get your attention and they're just doing dramatic stuff to get your attention because they've ignored them. But um, if it's actually harassing you, it's not good. Remember that ghosts were people too. And generally whatever was bad or good that people did, ghosts will do. So I, I know we haven't really talked about this much and this might is probably for a later podcast, but um, Ed and Lorraine Warren and oh, yeah. everything that was like going on in London in the, was it the seventies? Yeah. With the. And Phil Poltergeist. Yeah. Those, those kind of stories there seem to be pretty prevalent in the seventies. And I just, that kind of stuff scares me because mm -hmm. there is the threat of harm. Mm -hmm. And you kind of can't really can't really explain it. And mm -hmm. I know Ed and Lorraine were very religious, so that <laughs> I don't know. We can talk it about the like precursors whole... to the Satanic Panic and the Satanic yeah. Panic in yeah. a later episode. Yeah, because they had a lot of hand into that. They weren't the only ones. Okay. Um, all I know is that Lorraine Warren repeatedly called me Kathy when I met her. So <laughs> we have told us that. <laughs> not, not my favorite person. Not my favorite person. So you think she was the real thing? Thing. We'll save that for a later episode. And <laughs> okay. We'll that everyone. Okay. So yeah. that's the reason to tune back in here. Yeah, that's the reason to tune here. back in later. Yes. So you can follow us at Cincy Cabinet of Curiosities on Instagram, and please join our Facebook group, Hometown Haunts. Remember to give us your stories of haunted house attractions that you've been to. Were there ones that were particularly scary? Were there ones that were really funny? We want to hear your stories because I, I, I love reading all of your accounts of this life. Basically. I don't know. This is interesting to us. Um, so yes, thank you for joining us um, for Christina, Jen and myself. Good night. Stay spooky. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.